Oh, good afternoon, everybody. Uh, welcome back. Please have a seat. Nice to see you, Nick. It's good. I love the serial founders in the room today. Very cool. Excellent. Uh, welcome back. This is Elite Business Live, uh, second half of first day. I've uh, been getting some lovely messages over lunch from friends and colleagues saying, great, you're getting to meet Coru Kids and Huel and uh, all these amazing companies. So thank you uh, to all of those who have been sharing EBL uh, 2020. Uh, Do you have a good lunch break? Yes? Yeah, we met some good people. We met, uh, I've had some amazing conversations, I must say. Uh, one of our guests today is about to launch a clean tech jobs company. So if you want a business with a bit of meaning, uh, it's going to save the planet. Uh, I've met somebody who's behind the UK Property Awards. I've met someone who's designing a whole new way uh, to teach young people what they need to know to tackle the world around them. So just looking around at some of the guests in the room has just been genuinely inspiring for me. So thank you. And thank you to those who've been tweeting as well. Um, I liked a point earlier made by Timo from Gusto of being proactive about how we find talent. And so we're going to go through the rest of this afternoon, but just to sow a seed now, when I started my first business about 20 years ago, I wrote, uh, and in fact I put in a phone call uh, to an entrepreneur who was just really motoring already then with his conveyor belt sushi bars. Any ideas? Simon Woodroff, Yo Sushi. And I put in this mad call to him just asking for a little bit of his time. And the next day he called me back. And that meeting led to a complete uplift for me at a tough time, but also to meeting my next business partner. And Simon introduced me to my next business partner. So the sowing the seed today, who could you meet over the next couple of hours here at Elite Business Live? Is it your next investor, your next client, your next comrade, your next friend? Who knows um, what could be bubbling away? So thank you. Uh, for showing up today, and particularly if you're tuning in online as well. Now, this next session, I'd really love to be driven by some of your questions as well. Very proud to welcome up Derry to the stage uh, for the second time, but Derry Llewellyn-Davies, for those of you who don't know, um, if you Google Derry, not only does it complete uh, afterwards when you type in Derry Llewellyn-Davies, it says net worth, which is always interesting, isn't it? <laughs> Sometimes it just says married. Question <laughs> mark, we don't know what it means. Um, He's known as the strategy man, and rightly so, because he's walked the walk, he's built and sold multi-million pound businesses, but he's also advised over 300 boards, as I mentioned earlier. I'm always interested in his take on what for some of us can be quite a challenging subject on the finances, when we're growing, how we're growing, who we go to when we grow. So really get us thinking about financial decisions that fit our business plan. So this is a thought starter after lunch, who better, but in his spare time when he's not climbing some of the world's highest mountains, uh, he's here face to face with us today. Please give it up for, well, he's the founder of the BGI group. To me, he will always be the strategy man. Please welcome Derry Clewellyn Davis. Welcome, welcome, and welcome those at home as well. This is the new world we live in, doesn't it? When actually there's more people watching through that than there are in the room. Um, now, for me, I'm going to be talking about you're in the assets and investment class, okay? Don't panic. When Scott asked me to speak on that, I said, well, let's, can we spin that to what really matters, please? Which is value. Value of your business. Is anyone interested in that? Is that a good topic to have a proper conversation around? And what is the true assets that you really want to build? And more importantly, how do you measure them? How do you know? So what we've actually built around, what I have learned in the last 25 years of business, is this one word 
that drives an emotion at boardroom level. And it's one word we all want, and one word we have very little of. That's certainty. So if we're going to be talking about building assets, let's not build mythical ones. Let's not build smoke. There's a lot of that there. My first business was in 1998. I was in the dot-com startups when I built Simply Business. Um, anyone else, anyone around from those years who built businesses in the dot-com? Drew, I know. Wild days, huh? Now, I was worth a fortune, apparently, back in those days, on paper. And now I know, 25 years later, I know that that was missed. I know I, my ego was too big for myself. I thought I knew what I was talking about, and I did not seek help. Those were wild days, and it was mythical. So, I think I've got a little bit more knowledge now after all those businesses I've built and the boards I've advised. But what I actually will talk about a little bit more today is the data behind it. So you don't have to believe me, I'm a Welshman, so most of the English people in the world won't, won't trust me anyway. So let's just get some data behind what we're talking about. But before I do that, let's talk about what certainty means. What does it mean to you? Right? The first question is, is, are you certain in your business right now? How certain are you? And what are you certain of? Because that's what we've got to address today. So this should take you back for a moment. 11.56 a.m., on that date in 2015, I found myself here. That's the north face of Everest. It's the Rombok Valley. It's the highest valley in the world, and it's the final stretch before you hit the North Ridge. That's a big day. 10,000 hours had gone in previous to that day. I'd already climbed five of the highest mountains in the world as I build up to that. If you're not putting business in terms of mountains at the moment, please do so. When I'm building mountains, I'm building businesses. It's the same thing. So use this as a metaphor in your mind. I built multiple mountains at this point before I step onto the big one. It was a blue sky day. If you can look at that, that valley is stunning. I was sitting there, I was taking an infamous selfie. Little did I know what was coming next. And you could see my pack is still on my back at that point. That's 6,500 meters high, north face. That will become very relevant in a minute. I took my pack off my back. I went to put it on the floor, and the world moved. I hit the deck. I held onto the rock with my bare hands until I drew blood, and I rode a bucking bronco. And the bucking bronco was Everest itself. Now, some of you might remember what happened then. It was a while back, and the news blew over but I found myself in the epicenter of the worst earthquake the Himalaya had ever seen. And we were the highest men in the world at that point. That's a bad day to be the highest men in the world. And on that day, that was the deadliest day on the mountain of Everest, which is a pretty big statistic. And just to put that in context of numbers, 9,000 people died in Nepal that day. So, what happened next is the real story. But in that moment, what came next was all guided by how much certainty I had. And I'll tell you what happened at the end. But the question is, is the certainty in that moment didn't come in that moment. We don't just get certain. You build certainty. You learn certainty. You evolve into certainty. So in order to do what I did next, it took the 10,000 hours before that point to be as certain as we were, okay? So if you're not certain in your business right now, it's okay, but you've got to go to work. And that means we've got to go to work on what actually matters. So let's talk hope. Hope in context, we all know the failure rates of business. It's bonkers, right? 
Now, we particularly specialize in the kind of 1 million. I'll argue with my CEO on this one. He says 2 million to 20 million. I'm kind of 1 million to 50, but that's arbitrary, right? It's the scale-up journey. Now, the, the growth rates and the failure marks below the 1 million pound mark are crazy. Hands up in the room who's above a million, who's actually punched above the million pound mark. And by the way, be proud. Don't go, be proud, right? Now, look around. It's not as many as you think, is it? Because it's a hard journey. I honor all of you who's broken that barrier. But the skill set that takes you to that point is not the skill set that takes you to the 10. And the skill set that takes you to the 10 is not the skill set that will take you to the 50. And therefore, we've got to have a couple of truths in the room today. So if you don't mind, yes, I won't fluff you. We'll get straight to the data and we'll work out what works, right? So I'm interested in, particularly, we're talking about the 0.4% the and the 3%, which is that just as soon as you punch above a million, what happens next? All of those in the room below a million, good news, you're going to get the heads up early. Just fix this stuff early, all right? Now, the interesting question I've got from statistics is why do people fail? Because if we can fix that, you can't just build value. You must fix the failure points in order to build value. And global studies have shown now that 46% came through incompetence. I can relate to that in my early businesses. I thought I was competent. It turns out I wasn't so much. Competence, by the way, let's just understand that. If we look at the main pillars of business, marketing, sales, operations, cash, talent, you've got all the subsidiaries as well. You're really competent in one, two, or three of those, typically. Otherwise, you wouldn't be sitting in the room. It's the ones you're not competent on that's going to kill you. Note talent, by the way. That's the big one. We'll see that one again later, and you heard about it just now. The other big stat here is unbalanced experience. It's the same thing dressed up in a different way. A CEO, MD, especially in the scale-up, is trying to be everything. And it's impossible feat. Psychological testing's proven that. You can't be everything to everyone. And that's the very thing that's going to trap you. So that's what's failure. So we're going to, we've got to deal with that point. This, if we deal with that and we fit the gap for you, and every single person in this room has got a different gap. So there's not one answer. So when you're listening to the panels, and the panels are saying you should do this, no, you shouldn't. You should think really wise about what matters to you, how it's relevant to your business, where you are right now, and also getting the data to prove some of it. Because a lot of this stuff, I have views, but I'm not going to share those with you today. I'm going to share it with you data and fact, because that's a lot more helpful. All right? Now, because you're all legends in the room, you've all run businesses, I love this quote from Buckminster Fuller. I'm not going to give you, I'm not going to teach you anything today. I'm going to give you tools, tools that will help you in a new way of thinking. If I give you a tool, you can use it. Should I teach you something, you could just choose to ignore it, which most people do. So let's have a, I'm not going to give you one tool, I'm going to give you three. Now, bearing in mind this, uh, the keynote length, that means we're going to be rapid fire, so just strap in for the next 20 minutes and we're going to go, okay? Now, three tools we use under, when we're building values in companies, and they're all interrelated, which is key. First one in building true value is we've got to look at strategy. That's obvious. If you haven't got a really core underpinning business model, which, by the way, does that change? That's the problem right now, is the pivots most people need to make. We must have underpinning strategy in everything we do, otherwise we could be building the wrong thing. When we are choosing businesses, and when, when we work within companies, the results we get are pretty epic, and it's backed up by data. Now, but here's the thing. The reason we get such great results, and sorry to my CEO in the front of the room here, is because we cheat. 
Now, this isn't going live stream to thousands, is it? So we're, we're all safe in this room. The reason we cheat is because we select the businesses we work with based on that. That's the cheat. Because I won't work with businesses without it. So me sitting here talking about building value, driving EBITDA, driving profitability in numbers, I'm not interested in that. That's a byproduct of building a great business. You've heard it earlier. That's why I love coming to these um, conferences and these forums with greats who've been there before us. You've heard it, haven't you? I built a business. The guy from Huel, is he still in the room? At the back there. So did you hear what he said earlier for those who missed that? He said, I built the first business. I made loads of money, but it didn't really float my boat. That's what happens, by the way. If you build the wrong thing, you're left flat. If you build the wrong business, so helping you just build value in something you're miserable at is a really pointless exercise. For me, life is too short. So if we're going to build value, let's build the right thing. And by the way, if you are already building a crappy business, that's fine. Let's get you out, right? So you can go off and do the right thing next. But if we don't address that bit, we've got a real problem. And its value starts right there. By the way, you start to see talent is attracted to that now. The whole world has changed. And by the way, that has shifted in the last decade massively. You cannot lead without this anymore. It's not a fluffy byproduct. It's statistically proven. Now, let's talk about why just briefly. If you're going to do crazy stuff like I do, like climbing the highest mountains in the world and running across deserts, that's the Marathon de Saab in 2007. If you're going to do stuff like that, you need to know your why really clearly. Okay? Because otherwise you're going to have a bad day in the middle of the desert. So we did global statistics again. We pulled from about 16 different data points of why do people set up business in the first place and why do they stay? Now, just a quick, quickly on that, what's your why? Here's the, you're, yours going to be one of these six, or possibly all six, or you can choose three, your choice. People build business for passion, freedom, more money, more time, serve the world, or less stress. I'll explain that one. Um, that's what the stats showed in that order of priority, globally. I would bet on the top two all day long. As you go down the list, I'm starting to, my bets are coming off, my odds are going higher. Passion leads the show. Now, the big question is, is for the startups in the room, you might still be in that delusional land, right? Sorry about that. Now, the veterans in the room, you'll see them chuckling around the room as we now reveal the big reveal of how businesses actually work. Because you come in for those reasons, and what happens is you lose your mojo, you do everything, you pay yourself last time, blah, can't serve myself, and poof, right? Does anyone relate to that? Yeah. So let's just be honest about things. Because if, if that's the reality, something's gone wrong, hasn't it? Something's broken. And if we don't fix the break, then we've got, a, we've got bigger issues coming. Um, guys, tech guys, I've got no timing up here, by the way. So I could happily, I'll go all day long, so it's up to you. <laughs> um, so this is a sign that you're in the trap. If those things are starting to kick in and you're having to chuckle to yourself, you're in the trap, right? And there's one key thing of the traps, particularly in the one to 10 million pound mark, it's the bounce. It's the flat line. You do 3 million, you do 2.5 million, you do 3.5, you bounce. And it happens for years and it's incredibly frustrating. Don't worry, if that's you, it's normal, and it's the sign that you're in the owner's trap, and you haven't broken through the value barrier. It, it's just a, and it's frustrating. Anyone felt that before when you're bouncing and you're in flatlining? It's normal, and it's a part of the value build, okay? Now, our stats have shown us now where are the two biggest failure points in execution, I'm uh, sorry, in strategy. 
Now, we run the certainty scorecard. You'll see it. You can go online. You can check out how certain you are in your business. It'll show you you're 62% certain right now, and it'll tell you why. Right? That's why I like numbers. By running that scorecard hundreds of times across hundreds of businesses, we also now know for sure, which I could have told you before anyway, um, but we are for sure where the weak points are in business. And the two weak points in building business, certainty, is strategic execution in the 90 days and the measurement. That's the weakness. Businesses, and by the way, here's the kicker, for the businesses who actually score themselves, now we will drive certainty up, that's the whole point of what we do. But the businesses who scored themselves highly, and there's one business we work with at the moment who scored themselves 100% certain on the numbers, the indicators, that was working with us within three months, their certainty was down to 21. <laughs> Why? Because they thought they knew the numbers until they got really shown what numbers they should be looking at. Back to the bias. If you're, really, if you're financially back, if you've got financial background, operations background, you'll be great on those numbers, but you'll be rubbish at sales and marketing. Does that make sense? We must have numbers across the whole business, bringing in the whole data, otherwise we can be really missed the point. Now, value number two, the value builder system. Now, this is something we've imported from America. We've got hundreds of data points, thousands now, in, in strategy, in certainty. Value Builder has 45,000 data points. So we've brought them in from the US. We're partnered with them over here, just so it actually backs up our data and gives even more depth to our data. Now, what Value Builder tells us, and it's a system it gives, basically, it shows you the value of your business and how it will drive up if you do certain things. Right? And there's eight key drivers to this. I'm just going to share two with you, but here's why it's relevant. If you can drive the value index up beyond 80%, you will sell your business for more. Don't think, if you're, not, if you're sitting there going, I don't want to sell, that's fine. You'll be exit ready. Anyone in the room thinking, I'm never going to sell, so therefore I don't need to prepare for selling, you're going to sell when you die. And it's coming. Right now with coronavirus, who knows? Probably faster. I don't think so. I think I'm bulletproof. Um, <laughs> balls to coronavirus, that's what I say. Um, but you go, you've got to just focus on if you get sick or if anything happens to you, your business will go poof unless you build it well. Now, here's the good news. Building a sellable business gives you choice. And it's just building a great business strategically. But here's the two killer. I'm going to pick out two points of the value builder score for you. The first um, indicator, which is relevant, is the hub and spoke, which is you. The biggest detractor of value in your business, a lot of, for a lot of you in the room, is you. Sorry about that. Because if it's called hub and spoke in America, Americans have got a few. Any Americans in the room? Can I speak openly? Um, <laughs> so the Americans, they used to call it hub and spoke. If you are the middle of the hub, and everything relies on you, the value of your business will be less. That's pretty obvious, isn't it? Not so obvious for most business owners, because when you go in, that's the truth, is they're still the hub. Okay? We've got to fix that. If you just ignore that, you're not, you can build as much as you like, EBITDA-wise and everything else. When it comes to, you're still smack bang in the middle of business. And by the way, when you sell your business, which you won't, um, they'll buy you with it. So now you have a job. That's the worst exit strategy ever. We must deal with you first before we deal with anything else, right? Second thing, and the only thing is, is it's called what Switzerland structure. For those who saw me on the panel earlier, I started to allude to this. The Switzerland structure is about um, percentage, and I measure the right things. Could you be increasing your revenues, increasing your profitability, increasing your debit dollar, growing like monster trucks out there, and yet be completely reliant on one customer? 
two customers, three customers, could 62% of your revenue, I walked into a business, they were 120 million and they were 82% reliant on two clients. Ooh, that's painful. Now we fixed the reliance by massive acquisitions, we drove them to 300 million over a three year period, but we had to acquire because they'd been stupid in the first 10 years of their growth, okay? You must look at the percentage reliance on your employees, percentage reliance on your customers, and percentage reliance on your suppliers if we're gonna balance value within your business. If you're not monitoring those things, you're measuring the wrong things again. Now, if anyone right now, I've got one client, and it's only one, and I warned them last year, they had a 62% reliance on their Chinese supply chain. And I warned them, we measured it, it was there. They chose not to do anything with it. Now, if you choose not to do something with the information, that's on you. Not having the information and the data intelligence in the first place, that, that's still on you, <laughs> okay? Does this make sense? Must measure the right things if we're gonna build true value. Um, and then the final part, you start to see that inter-reliance, actually if you're executing great strategy, you're building value, is data-driven insight. Now for us, data, data, data is everything we believe in. It's everything, um, everything for me is data. Because numbers don't lie, entrepreneurs do. All day long, to themselves mostly. The data's not gonna lie to you, okay? Because actually a lot of you are kidding yourselves half the time. Let's just face it, you've got the hope Right? With the hope comes delusion <laughs> and kidding yourselves on the numbers. So this is why you must back yourself up with some state that to give you some form of sanity. But what we are measuring out there is revenue and profit and EBIT and EBITDA and all this kind of stuff. They're all outputs. Wrong measures can't influence. You must measure what you can influence. You must measure the inputs that you can change it, make a difference to the outputs. And this is where we're seeing the gap. You can start to see digital transformation. Is The gap is, is not measuring the true inputs properly to be able to impact at the right point, not just expecting more profit. And the bigger up the tree you go, the more people are like, I just wanted this EBIT. I want well, what are you doing? Well, what, what is the input that you're changing to drive that output? Now, that's complicated because there's a lot of inputs. Um, we've got about 125 indicators, but there's about 20 that matter. But always look at the quick fix on that is look at marketing, sales, operations, cash, and talent. What are you measuring in each one of those, and how do they flow? Because the inputs start at that end of the chain. We started, you talked a lot about marketing earlier. Marketing's a lot more data-led now. Thank goodness for that, right? However, most people in this room don't understand the data enough, and they're getting fluffed by marketing speak and marketing metrics get to the truth quickly. Now, I'm only gonna give you one input because this has surprised me. Again, data doesn't lie, um, and Value Builder proved, proved this, and it surprised me is one of the things, one of the data points you should be looking at in your business regularly is net promoter score. Now, I, I missed this completely because I saw net, net promoter score doing really badly <laughs> in corporates. Whereas actually all the big brands in the world has proven this, there's data behind this, and actually in the value builder, it is proven if your, data, if your net promoter score is above 50%, you will have more value in your business, and, and there's, a, there's a multiple on it, which people are missing, right? Sounds obvious, but most people aren't doing it. And if you don't know that, just Google that, there's, there's plenty of stuff on, on the internet for it. So you've got to bring value from all points of your business. Does this make sense? Um, now, if we're gonna build true value, remember that slide. Let's start coming back around full circle now. Based on what I've said, have you kind of worked out what the two gaps are in business? What are the two driving strategies? Now, what are we talking about this morning? Marketing and sales, right? Important, critical inputs. Must be measured, must, data must come flow through. But actually, why do you end up losing your mojo? Because you haven't got the right talent around you. 
Why do you end up doing everything? Because you don't have the right talent around you. It's talent strategy. Why do you pay yourself last? Well, that's cash flow. And as soon as you're up to the 10 million pound mark, that, that goes away. That's more of a startup issue, by the way. Um, time. If you haven't got time, like I've got uh, four children. I had to say, I just said three then. I've got a baby boy now as well. So I keep on forgetting I've got him. Um, so four children now, and 50% of my time is spent with my family. That's why I built the businesses. Duh. So if that's not time for me is what drives me, time and freedom and loving what I do all day long. But that means we must architect that wisely. Now, if you're Elon Musk, you've got more money than anyone out there, and you can hire as many as you want, you can build what you like and put people on Mars, apparently. We'll see some of that if that's true, right? Um, and what's the two biggest stresses for the small business? Mid-sized business, any business. Cash and talent. It's always those. It's always those two strategies. Now, as you start, that transitions quite nicely, because we're about to talk about raising investment. Uh, but I, that's why I didn't want to talk about raising investment, because what are we raising investment for? Getting the talent. Being precise in the value you're building, bringing the right people in at the right times, well ahead of advance, and having enough cash to make sure that we can underpin that always. That's what we're raising the investment for. That's where you get your certainty for. You get your certainty from your talent. So if we understand that talent is our competitive advantage out there, one mentor of mine said 777 to me once. Thankfully, it wasn't 666, because that would have been weird, right? And that would have been really bad branding. Um, but he says it takes, we're all talking about tech, 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 right? Tech, tech, tech. The reason I don't rate tech, tech's an enabler, is because it'll take you seven days to copy IP. It'll take you seven months to copy an entire business model, but it'll take you seven years to copy a culture. That's why I'll back talent every day of the year. And that's where value comes from. Your biggest value, your biggest asset for most of you is going to be your people. We've got to put them back in the right place. Now, just before we forget, do you remember that? We go back onto Everest. The earthquake had hit. We knew we were the highest men in the world. There's no helicopter rescue up there because helicopters can't get that high. So what do we do? When coronavirus hits, when Brexit hits, when any shitstorm comes your way, because guess what, as a business, is it coming? Let's not sit here and fluff it and go, everything's going to be amazing, and you're just going to grow a business with no problems. They're coming. And it's going to be the problems you don't expect. That's the curveballs. And as the, the strategy man started as a bit of tongue-in-cheek 10 years ago, and it stuck somehow, I don't know why. But it's always the strategy you don't see that hurts you the most. And you can be the smartest people on the planet, but you've got to work out what you can't see, where your blind spots are. The reason we stood there on that mountain, that was the day before. And I show you that slide because that's the greatest team in the world. I had the best talent in the world to climb that mountain. Neil Lawton up the front there, he's one of the greatest adventurers on the planet. He guided Bear Grylls up Everest. You've got the, high, big, the greatest high-altitude doctor in the world there. Um, if you're going to go for Everest, you may as well just go for the highest black-tie dinner party in the world whilst you're there, world record attempt, and bring Sat Baines, Michelin star chef, with you. Top talent. And that man at the front is Pemba Sherpa. He's the most important man on the mountain. He's the greatest Sherpa alive. If you're going to climb the highest mountain in the world, wouldn't you bring the best talent and invest in the best talent in the world? Because that was an investment. Yes? We should be treating our companies exactly the same way. Every single person matters. Every piece of talent matters through the whole organization. That's how you build true value. And that's how you get certainty. 
It's going to be certainty in the dark times through the talent around you, knowing that that is solid. I had the best team in the world around you. That's why when we were in the biggest disaster, all of us were strong and all of us carried on, which is what you need to be able to do. So on that note, I think we're up for Q&A. Are we all late? Right. Thank you very much, Derry. Actually, I have... I've got more questions for you, Derry, but I'm actually... Uh, unless anyone's got one off the top of their head for Derry, a question, because we have got time to ask more questions in the Q&A. Yes, Drew! Not from him, not so, from him. Yeah, exactly. You can't filter your questions. <laughs> Just so we're all clear, I've known him for years, so if he's about to stitch <laughs> me up, you know where it's coming from, okay? <laughs> Andrew Ellis. Afternoon. Um, Derry, another fantastic speech. Thank you very much, Keynote. Um, I want to talk about luck mm. because uh, a lot of people say the harder I work, the luckier I get. And you on the mountain were also very lucky because you were on the right side of the mountain. So yeah. Can you talk a little bit about the effect of luck on business? You're 100% right, and it's a great metaphor. Um, so... Luck does play out in business, 100%. Um, obviously, I've got a very limited time to keynote today, but there's a big backstory to this, as you can imagine, right? And I've played it out with um, your, your beautiful world. Um, but I was climbing the north side of the mountain. In the south side of the mountain that day, that's where the 90 people died. I chose to climb the hard side, by the way. There's an irony to that. The north side's difficult. The north side goes into China. The north side's got more technical. A lot, that's why you don't climb the north side. So by choosing the most difficult route, I'm standing in front of you today. Now, that decision peeled back years. And it's interesting. I talk about pivot points in business, right? You make a decision, and it's not until years later that that pivot, you see it through. So is it hard work? Yes, absolutely. Is it 10,000 hours? I love the, you know, the 10,000 hours to mastery. I'm not uh, a get rich quick by next Tuesday. I'm not a hack this and a hack that. And it's like, I'm not that guy. I'm about, do you know what? Building a business, it takes time. And this is why most of you have done it multiple times. Get it, well, guess what? I got it right on the fourth, <laughs> right? And at 300 boards later, I kind of know what I'm talking around a little bit. But I didn't in the early days. And how should you and how could you? But there was always luck along the way. However, <laughs> the, more, the more you work, the more certain you become, the more you balance your skill set across multiple areas, the more you get wise people around you, the more certain you become, and the more you're ready when luck strikes. And that's the key. Luck doesn't just strike, you're ready when luck strikes in business. Like right now, I've got a few clients who are absolutely killing it because they're big traders. They've just traded in toilet roll. <laughs> and I got a phone call Monday, Derry, do you get any broker anyone from toilet roll? I'm like, what? I'm like, yeah, seriously, we've got like a billion in Turkey. We're good to go. We can trade it. We can have ships going. And I'm like, Oh, there's always an opportunity in every storm. <laughs> um, but they were ready. After years, though, Drew, that's the point, isn't it? After years of experience, 10,000 hours, mm -hmm. you're ready for the luck. Crikey. And finally, they're going to clean up. Right, there you go. They are. Now, thank you very much, Derry. Uh, come on, another round of applause for Derry as he takes a seat here. We're going to get one more chair <laughs> up onto the thing. You're talking about right place, right time. You're in the right place at the right time. Yeah, please, uh, chair number one, please.